You're listening to a curated podcast from the Beyond Infinity radio program broadcast live on Tuesdays from 11am from our Mornington studios in Victoria, Australia. Presented by me, Piers Cunningham. And me, John Young. Into our science and technology news for the week, the Keck Observatory is an amazing observatory on the top of Mauna Kea, which is a volcano in Hawaii. It's an amazing uh, telescope. It's considered one of the most scientifically productive telescopes on Earth. There are two 10-metre optical and infrared telescopes on the summit of Mauna Kea. They have amazing lenses on them. They actually have adaptive optics, which is pretty cool. What it does is actually compensates for the effect of the Earth's atmosphere. So Mm -hmm. one of the reasons why it's beneficial to have space-based telescopes like the Hubble and the eventually to be launched uh, James Webb Space Telescope, Mm -hmm. which will be an order of magnitude more powerful than, than Hubble, is that you don't have to peer through. You don't get that extra yep. lensing effect of looking through the Earth's atmosphere. Well, Keck, uh, the te- Keck telescopes are actually able to compensate for this to some extent using adaptive optics, mm. which is a really clever technology. They've recently taken some photos of Neptune. Now, this is the mo- the second most distant planet. Well, in fact, it's the last planet in our solar yeah. system because Pluto got demoted, even though after New Horizons went past last year, they were kind of thinking to themselves, gee, this, is, uh, this really deserves to be considered a planet. It isn't because it's considered too small. Neptune certainly is, is, is considered a planet. It's a, it's a gas giant. It's, I think it's four times the diameter of Earth. It's, it's a very large object. And recently they've been looking at, at uh, images from the Keck telescope and seeing a very fast-forming storm in the atmosphere of Neptune. And what's interesting about it is very close to the equatorial region of the planet. So previously, there have been these kind of storms observed, but they've been up near the poles. Mm -hmm. This is the first time they've seen something of this size and brightness occurring really near the equator. So they don't know why. It's a very mysterious storm to observe, but uh, it's got a lot of scientists really excited. Is is the rotation of Uranus perpendicular or parallel with the sun? So I think, isn't one of them at a 90 degree? Uranus, Uranus, Uranus sort of rolls along its orbit, so yeah. it has a, po- a pole pointed at the sun, yeah. and it rolls around its orbit. Mm-hmm. Now, Neptune is like most planets; it's got a, a little bit of tilt, yep. like Earth, but basically, no, it's it's uh, at right angles mm-hmm. to the plane of, of the elliptic. Mm-hmm. One thing that is known about Neptune, because they went past it, I think it was 1989 that Voyager flew past. That's the only time we've been anywhere near Neptune with a with a spacecraft. It did take some very good images of Neptune, showing some storms. Then it's a beautiful object. It's got a beautiful blue uh, atmosphere with white clouds. It actually did observe a large, what was called the Great Dark Spot at that stage. Now, that was a, sh- a relatively short-lived storm. It's no longer visible on mm-hmm. uh, through telescopes anyway. On Neptune, they also got some photos of some amazing moons that orbit Neptune. Some of them are believed to have cryovolcanism, so ice-driven volcanism. Right. The other thing that's noted about Neptune is it has the fastest winds in the solar system, 1,600 kilometer per hour wind rotate around the uh, planet Neptune. If you consider the sort of speeds that a hurricane on Earth has, say, you know, 150 to 200, 200 yeah. kilometers per hour or something, that can do amazing damage. Well, these things are much, much faster and more powerful than that. They don't understand exactly what drives those systems. So uh, to see these photos from Keck is, uh, is really exciting stuff for people who are studying Neptune and the outer gas giant planets. Moving on with the news, virtual reality is something we've talked about. There's the Oculus Rift, there's various offerings from Samsung, from Sony, and it seems to be gaining in popularity around the world. But also, you know, there's kind of platform wars going on. There's mm-hmm. a few things, you know, is it going to go way beyond 
just gaming. We actually had some guys in talking about using VR to uh, recreate and, and, and allow people to get an insight into what the ancient world looked like. Yeah. So there's a team of Melbourne researchers and, and they've actually just got some seed capital. Anyway, the prediction from Superdata, which is a market research company, is that for worldwide VR revenue that it will hit $28.3 billion split between $12.1 billion for hardware and $16.2 billion for software. That's a sizable increase in the next three years. It's believed that total earnings this year are expected to rise over 100% from the previous year. So it looks like that industry is doing well. I know that there's a few companies in Melbourne that are getting into virtual reality development, developing the software, developing programs to run on these different headset offerings. Sounds like a good industry to be in. And I have to say, I think the next big step for VR is that cross-compatibility with software. So building it so that the hardware can accept software from you know, what's designed for maybe the rather than the HTC Vive that can actually work on one of the other headsets as well so that will be the next step otherwise we're going to go down sort of single channels and, and then the developers are not going to have um, you know a wide enough adoption with their actual software so cross compatibility is really key yep yeah yep. Lithodome Dome is VR yes. is the name of the company they're Melbourne based they've recently raised some venture capital to help them in funding these amazing views you can you can actually pay to to visualize what certain really archaeologically important sites in in Europe looked like originally so you could go to a ruin and see sort of the, what's left of it now put on your VR headset mm. and then have it all sort of filled in all the blanks filled in for you which is a great great tool Amazing. a lot of museums and stuff around the world are uh, very interested in that technology being developed in Melbourne just moving on, we've talked about CRISPR-Cas9. It's a gene editing technology, which is it's kind of scary and powerful and hopefully going to do a lot of good for humanity. One of the first examples that is actually being used uh, in, a, in a really very um, positive way uh, is actually to correct a, a genetic a disease. It's called hypertrophic cardiomyopathy, uh, HCM, and it's the most common cause of sudden death in otherwise healthy young athletes. Affects approximately one in 500 people overall, and it's an inheritable gene. So if you've got this gene, 50%, you have a 50% chance of passing it on mm. to your offspring. What they've been able to do is to get right in early to the embryonic development and to actually use CRISPR-Cas9 to eliminate the gene which is responsible for this hereditary illness. Then once that, that change has been made, then the subject does not develop the illness and won't pass it on. Yeah. So it's just an example. I mean, there's a lot more to read about this. You'll see in our show notes, I've got links to more information. But the, the real quick concern, I guess, is from uh, people that are opposed to this kind of research is you might be turning this off, but what are you turning on in case? Uh, you know, So this, this gene you've turned off, but how does that affect everything else? So there's still a lot of time, a lot of research that needs to go, you know, to go into this to see um, what the true effects are, long-term effects. Yeah, there is even uh, the ability to put things out there which sort of multiply in the in the population so for example with mosquito controls you could actually turn off the ability to reproduce in malaria carrying mosquitoes mm -hmm. which means effectively that those mosquitoes die out yes. and then they can't carry malaria so you've got rid of them as a, a vector for malaria spread mm -hmm. there are concerns that once you put something out there and it has that ability to sort of to permanently uh, go right through the population and make permanent changes that you you're messing with biology in in pretty fundamental ways so there are con some, some concerns about this there are also it's uh, a po very positive step i do yeah, yeah it's great yeah well there are also and one of the things about this particular um, effort to address 
hypertrophic cardiomyopathy is that it has been done in accordance with they've got some rules basically which scientists around the world and universities around mm. the world have put together to try to govern and regulate the use of the CRISPR-Cas9 gene editing technology and apparently this work on HCM was done very much within the parameters of those yeah. regulations which yeah, was a good thing finally for me before I hand over to John a sunscreen made from DNA been developed it's been developed over at binghamton university in new york basically what what people know is and, and australia is a prime candidate because we're, we're we've got the highest incidence of skin cancer in the world we've got very powerful ultraviolet light here ultraviolet light actually damages dna mm. and so what they've done is they've developed a film from the dna of salmon as in the fish yeah. It actually gets better at protecting your skin from UV light the more it's exposed to the sun. It also helps lock in moisture beneath the surface, which is usually lost during tanning. This could be a really revolutionary product. It's so f- a complete new take on uh, skincare. Yes, yeah. absolutely. It's even believed that it could be potentially exploitable as a wound covering for extreme environments. So you could use it to, to if you've got an injury, you mm-hmm. could cover it up with this film. It's made from a mixture of the DNA from salmon sperm water and ethanol to create sheets of a transparent crystalline material so the longer you stay on the beach the better it gets at being a sunscreen according to the researchers in new york john what have you got for us well i'm a huge huge fan of last pass um i'm trying i try to get everybody on it uh, that i speak to because it's a way of storing your passwords without having to remember them Mm -hmm. but it also stores really secure long passwords or even generates passwords for you now i've probably i think at last check i had over a thousand different combinations of usernames and passwords right and it's just uh, like you build it up over the years and mm. uh, it might be that I'm helping out a client and therefore storing their information as well. Mm. Uh, I could not do this without LastPass. One of the things that has happened this week is they've put the price up, which is a little bit of a bugbear. Doubled. But it's, they've doubled their price. Uh, so it was $1 per month. Mm. Uh, it's now $2 per month. It's not a huge deal. I'm actually happy to pay it. Now, there is the free account. You can still continue to get the free account. You'll still have access to the basics of it. But if you want to include additional uh, things such as one-to-many sharing, so I have a password and I want other LastPass users to access that password i can share it with as many as i want Mm. there's emergency access i can allow my family members authority to access my account in extreme scenarios you know there's a number of other things that that are actually very helpful with that so i do support it it's not surprising i guess that the price has gone up because log me in purchased last month i think it was about two years ago and it was always expected that this would happen now they kept it as it was for some time but now they've added a lot of new features in uh, including one which is families as well so this is a family bundle where you pay $48 a year mm-hmm. but you can have um, up to six premium licenses and that actually makes it easier for group sharing so if in your household you want to share you know bank details or um, you know look you think of any password or, sh- or secret notes that you want to share mm. LastPass can handle all of that it's, so it really is a pretty given you think of the amount of, of passwords you have for things whether it's your gmail whether it's your banking whether it's yeah. um, you know any kind of premium website that you pay for has got a login page you've got to put a password into it i know that 
iOS devices have a way of actually storing that apparently securely on the phone. So you can just literally just hit hit one click and it'll, yep. it'll put it in for you. To be actually able to centralize all that and have it under one. Well, I can go across device. So I can enter the password on my laptop and then move across to my phone and it's really synchronized there. And then any device, I could even log in on a different computer and log in with that. So people might be asking, why would I need this? And the question is, are you using the same password on more than one account and if you are you need LastPass because we report on it we hear it all the time where accounts are compromised whether that be through some kind of data breach at the provider whether that's some man in the middle attack or just through you know bad handling or just bad, you know easily guessed passwords yep. and so if you've used the same username and password combination on more than one site then you are very vulnerable and this is why LastPass can be very helpful indeed a feature that um you might be uh, very happy to hear about, I know I am, is that uh, it looks like the speeding up or slowing down of YouTube videos is coming to the Android app. On the desktop version of YouTube, you've been able to do this for a while where you might uh, speed up a video or slow it down. So that uh, could be 0.75 or 0.5 or 0.25 of its normal speed or 1.25 or 1.5 or two times. Mm -hmm. So this could be helpful if you're watching something that is you know, really, really fast moving. So whether it's a motorsport or some kind of sporting activity, then it might be, well, hang on, I want to slow that right down so I can actually see what happens sort of almost frame by frame. Uh, or maybe you're watching a video like a TED Talk or some other informational video and you're like, okay, this is great, but I want to actually listen to it you know, faster. I know we'll watch it faster. I know with podcasts, people are happy to put uh, one and a half times or double time. And that might make you sound more like Mickey Mouse, but you actually get the content you know, in half the time essentially. Yeah. So, so it's, it's a, it hasn't been rolled out to everyone yet, but it is coming soon. So that will be a handy little feature. Indeed. Now, uh, a judge has set a 30000 this is US dollars, $30,000 bail for a UK researcher in a malware case. Mm. Now, a few months ago, we reported on the WannaCry malware that spread around yep. and it was only prevented... Ransomware? Ransomware. It was only prevented by a 23-year-old in the UK named Marcus Hutchins. He goes under the name of Malware Tech. And he reports he's on you know, malware that breaches systems and also helps people on, on how to avoid that. Now, th what they've done is he was attending a DEFCON convention over in the US and as he was leaving, the um, FBI uh, picked him up. This is not related to WannaCry ransomware. He had nothing to do with that other than preventing the spread of it. Right. But they have alleged that he had uh, basically he stands accused of creating and distributing malware known as the Kronos banking trojan and the malware infected web browsers then captured usernames and passwords when an unsuspecting user visits a bank or other trusted location enabling cyber theft so he's stands accused of being involved in it i don't know if he would be the only creator of that or if it's just a part creator i'm a little bit sus on it it seems like you know he was targeted they did some research and they said Maybe he's really smart and we need to get him on board. So we're just going to try and find something on him. We're going to ping something on him and we'll get him into the FBI. And the way that he can get off of all this is by being an informant or helping us out in digital anti-malware and that kind of thing. Interesting way of recruiting. And now IBM have been able to capture 330 terabytes of uncompressed data into a tiny cartridge. Now I'm not talking about uh, the little flash drives, the little USB drives you plug in. This is a little tape 
drive that uh, they've used. Now, what they've been able to do is store 201 gigabytes per square inch on a prototype sputtered magnetic tape. This is a record. Mm. It was made by or developed by Sony Storage Media Solutions. That is the tape. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's going to be used for, I mean, it's the next step in data storage and being able to sort of cram more into a smaller space. It's traditionally used for video archives or backup files or, you know, replicas for disaster recovery. So, you know, we had an interview the other week about uh, sort of cybersecurity and how to protect yourself. And we talked about the importance of backups, particularly with um, ransomware that's yep. going around. Ian's story. Ian's yep. story. Making sure you have backups is great, but how you store your backups is really important. And this could be potentially one way of doing so in future. Now, I do see this as probably more so for for cloud storage and servers, but it's, a, it's certainly a good step forward. Very briefly and quickly, just wanted to uh, touch on the ScanWatch segment for the week. And uh, in the first half of 2017, Australians have reported losing over $13 million to investment scams. And this is, uh, and look, the, the number's probably much higher because people are not reporting it. It seems to be hitting uh, people that age between 45 to 64, they most commonly fall victim to it. It's because there's high pressure tactics they use to sell a phone financial opportunity which is you know not to be missed and i'm doing the, the, the quoted commas in the air i guess yeah, yeah. it involves high and quick returns for low risks or so they say obviously you need to do your research so if you get a call from someone or if you send uh, get an unsolicited email even a message through social media you can just delete it or you can hang up on the call or maybe go and speak to someone and get some advice from there if you're getting hassled from it make sure that you block that scammer and make sure that you do thorough research before committing to any investment. Spend a couple of hundred dollars maybe speaking to a financial advisor versus giving more money away and then never seeing a return on that. Indeed, that sounds like very good advice. Thanks for listening. And head to beyondinfinity.com.au for the best bits from the live show or to connect with us on social media. We welcome your feedback and suggestion for future shows.